High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. All right, um, we're off to uh, Boston, Massachusetts, where it's dry and sunny. Uh, Global warming has uh, not yet struck the state, (laughs) apparently. Um, While down in Texas, of course, um, they're all swanning around in boats. Um, I'm joined by Michael Graham. Michael, uh, no such thing as global warming. Uh, Houston, Texas and places like that, just coincidence. Really, George? Really? <laughs> good morning. Hello. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Okay, so you. let's jump let's jump in with the fact that there has been no increase in the number <laughs> of hurricanes despite Al Gore insisting for the past 20 years it would absolutely happen. Let's go then with no increase in the power of hurricanes despite absolute insistence from uh, Al Gore that it's absolutely going to happen. Uh, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Flooding is not increased around the world. Tornadoes not increased around the world. You know, uh, okay. 0.3% right. change in temperature. Yeah. Over. Okay, I'm sorry what's, I raised global warming. What's the warming. big deal? Why did you bring this up? You know I have math. Yeah. You just have attitude. No, no, I just lost about 120,000 listeners. Exactly. Um, listen to me. What I am concerned about first is that hasn't the president done actually quite a good job in relation to Texas. I mean, he's gone down there. He's had coffee with the beleaguered. He's done all the stuff and and he can't get a break. Is that true or false? Yeah, sure. I mean, people who hate Trump still hate Trump. People who love Trump still love Trump. I mean, look, to me, a natural disaster is the easiest thing you're ever going to get. You show up, you get some pictures taken with some kids, you wave, you promise yeah. tons and tons of money. The What bugs me is that... Uh, here in the United States, we have something called flood insurance. And the idea is that in order to get permission to build a house in a floodplain, you have to have you have to pay for this insurance because there's a higher likelihood that you're going to flood. Okay. Well, almost nobody pays it. And the people who do pay it only pay about half of what the real cost is because the rest of us subsidize it because we're, you know, the government thr- loves throwing money around. And so the reason why you have a hundred billion dollars in damage, one of the reasons why is, well, one of the reasons, of course, is this is an amazing storm. Haven't had one like this since 1900. Uh, but the other reason is because all these people built homes in places that they no. never would have built if they had to pay the cost. Okay, can I ask you something here? I used to live in Houston, okay? Uh-huh. Um, and far away from any minorities or stuff like that, you know, upmarket stuff. Anyway, I used to live in Houston. But all the people I'm ringing up in Houston and saying, are you okay, are you okay? I've been flooded. None of them are flooded. Who's flooded? <laughs> Well, the people who are in the flat parts of Houston, I mean, it, uh, there are parts of Houston right now that are still under an evacuation order. But they're order. the poor people. No, it's not. That's just not. I, I, I don't know who you're talking to, but trust me. I'm not talking to any poor Houston, people. We, when, you have a, when, when you have a new lake in America the size of Lake Michigan, which is what we had at the peak of flooding, everybody's getting flooded. I know, George, you want to tie, try these tired old Euro weenie tropes and throw them in there. But I want to go back to something here. No, hold on while now. I'll back up the truck, Graham. In Katrina, if you remember, all the people who were made homeless in, in Louisiana were people in the lower social 
earning strata. And I put to you that the bulk of the people in uh, Houston are in the same thing because the houses were cheaper. They were cheaper because they were built in places that maybe they shouldn't have been built or they were shabbily built or whatever. I'm only asking you with your greater knowledge of the American scene. That's total crap. I don't know where you get this from. There is no socioeconomic connection between the Houston flooding at, okay. at all. There's none. And, and and crappily built houses flood just the same as well-built right. houses. Well, what about, what about the dogs? What about the dogs? What about the no, Okay, so – and I'm curious how you feel about this. So this uh, – uh, guy is waiting. He's in his house. The floodwaters are up above the porch. He's standing, you know, waist deep in water with his family and a boat comes by to pick him up and he brings his little lap dog. Cause it's a little tiny little dog and his family, his wife, kids, whatever, but he can't bring his pit bull because the pit bull's too big. They don't have room in the boat. And I suspect because it's a pit bull, but I don't know that for a fact. So they say, well, don't worry, we'll come back. We'll get it. Don't worry about the dog. We'll get the dog later. So eventually there's a photo taken by some passerby of this pit bull who's gotten on top of a car. The flood, the floodwaters are up to the roof of the car and the pit bull's on the car. So people start asking, how'd this dog get left behind? What's going on here? What's going on with this dog? And this guy, this guy who was being flooded out, who was having to be rescued is suddenly a pariah. He's attacked by uh, social media, by um, uh, L- uh, TV stars like Haley Cuoco from B- uh, Big Bang Theory. What's wrong with you people abandoning your dogs? You're terrible. You're awful. You treat your dogs like trash. You make me sick. You don't deserve to be rescued. And we had people, George, little, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, saying, if you can't rescue your dog, you shouldn't go. Uh, okay. I, I, oh, hold uh, on. Are you asking me a question? I have a theory. I have a theory. I only have 11 minutes, Graham. If, are you going if, to let me speak? No. If you drown to death because you're so stupid, you wouldn't get in a boat without your dog. That's God's way of keeping the gene pool nice and clean for the rest of us. I would phrase it differently, but my feelings are the same. If I was down there and there was the dog and me, uh, it's me first all the time. And if it was a human, not me, any human or a dog, it's the human first. Of course, I mean, of course. This horse manure about dog like is just nonsense. It's just they're absolute not, nonsense. They're not fur baby. They're not your children. They're not your family. They're dogs and cats. And so one of the big hotel chains in the area that was taking in a lot of uh, people who are fleeing had, like many hotels, do a no-pets policy because they have to think about the future guests. You know, someone comes in the room two days later who has a pet allergy, a dog, you know, a dander allergy, whatever. They can't stay there anymore. They get screamed and yelled at. They get forced to uh, take in these dogs and cats, which means that there'll be people who are, you know, clinging to their asthma reliever because they're going to be uh, afflicted with this. And then here's the classic part, George. After all this whining, what happens? A 25-year-old man died when he was electrocuted walking through the floodwaters of Harvey to feed his sister's cat. He went back to the house to feed the cat. There were electrical wires, and he said, I can't leave the cat in there. So he goes in and gets electrocuted and died. So there you go. Well, what's much more worrying um, 
I I remember talking, I can remember it well, talking to a fellow, his name was Brian Wayne, and I said to Brian, I'm, I'm about 30, and I said, you know, my greatest desire in life is to have a hamburger uh, from uh, McDonald's, because right. McDonald's was only in America, I never thought they'd come to Ireland, so I never thought I would see a hamburger and chips, right? Then I thought, I went to Seattle and I saw Starbucks and I said, Starbucks will never come to Ireland, right? Why? Because I look, coffee is you have two choices. Do you want it black or do you want it white? I don't want a skinny latte or any of that kind of stuff, right? So anyway, Starbucks have now come to Ireland and all our cafes are giving away coffee free in protest against another Starbucks. And the current situation is that there are no more Starbucks than people in Dublin. <laughs> there are 50 Starbucks outlets in Dublin, according to the company's web- website. They're adding another one. That'll be 51 Starbucks just in Dublin. And apparently the people of Dublin don't agree, George. They must like them because the only reason why American companies open businesses, unlike you people, is to make money. And so people are pouring in. I don't understand it. I, the, the idea of, of, uh, of uh, burnt, uh, over brewed expensive coffee does nothing for me when i go to ireland i drink nothing but irish tea no but, but I, yes i know you do and, and yeah i, I just I don't get the sudden affection of the irish for coffee i mean i had it all my life but this latest affection but the thing about starbucks is that the why i thought when i went to seattle why i thought it would never work in ireland was I thought the coffee wasn't great mm-hmm. yeah i mean in people you know Teach his own, taste his taste. What bothers me about the story, though, George, is that the owners of the other coffee places are protesting. I don't need you to protest. I just need you to sell me a better cup of coffee at a lower price. It's that simple. And before people go, well, what, uh, this is a terrible corporate evil, blah, 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 there are, uh, if I remember correctly, 800 Irish people working in these coffee shops as baristas. No, they're not Irish people. Well, okay, there are 800 people in Ireland. Yeah, 800 baristas in Ireland. I don't know who they are personally, but they're there, and they're working, and they're paying taxes, and they're paying their bills. So instead of protesting, how about making something that tastes better and costs less? Well, I think they cost less because the other thing is what Starbucks have done brilliantly is they've made people think that buying a cup of coffee is akin to buying a bottle of wine. And, <laughs> and like, the price is similar. Yep, I agree with you. And I, and I you also can get that- a glass, or I suggest you could get a glass of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc cheaper and you could get a coffee in Starbucks. And since I would not not drink either because no man drinks white wine, uh, I I would have no problem with that. But this uh, the 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 coffee part, I don't. What what bugs me too is I just want to order my coffee. I walk in. I if if you know on those rare occasions I do, I want a medium coffee with half and half in it. I have to get my wife, who you know, the lovely buttercup, to translate it into venti, breve, choppy, copa, mocha. Correct. What, what's wrong with large, medium, and small? Yeah. And if exactly. I went to Ireland, it would even be more because then I have to order a venti, three stone, eight meter. I would. There's no way. I would simply not. I, once right. again, I'll stick to my tea. All right. I know you will. And your bushmills. Um, in your <laughs> Absolutely. tea. Absolutely. Now, 
we're thinking, not many of us, but some of us are thinking that when Britain leaves the EU, that we'll go with them. Now, we're a bit of a minority at the moment, but we're getting bigger. Uh, do you think we should leave? I think that uh, the people of Ireland and the uh, business owners of Ireland and the parents of Ireland do a much better job of running Ireland than the nitwits in Brussels do. I think the idea that you want to open a coffee shop to compete with Starbucks and you have to get this, you know, old phone book sized manual of regulations to make you Brussels compliant is absolutely ridiculous. I think that now I know the difference between you guys and the UK is that the UK pays in to the Brussels experience. <laughs> and you guys no take no out we're paying in now we're Brussels. paying in You're we've reached now? yeah we've oh. reached the pay in stage oh, well then time to get out absolutely <laughs> Yeah, well, absolutely. that's what I think. I think out. the time, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm with Graham on this. The, the, uh, we should have stayed in when they were giving away free money. And then yep. as soon as they stopped giving away free money and they wanted our money, we should have got out. Skip on the check, as they call it in the restaurant business. You know, when you're waiting tables and you bring the guy the check and he gets up to go to the bathroom and never comes back. Yeah, that should be Ireland. Oh, the check guy came here? Excuse me for a second. I need to wash my hands. Boom. <laughs> Get out. Run your own business. Help, uh, put your businesses first and then compete with the other uh, countries and don't let them regulate you. That's my theory. I, you know, look, I could be wrong. Maybe the Irish are uniquely stupid. Maybe they need their hand held in order to be competitive. But I don't agree. I'm sorry. I, the, the people I talk to in Ireland, they're smart. They figure out ways to run their business and pay their bills. They even figure out ways to have someone else pay for their water. So you guys are smart. I, I think you can. I think you can handle this. Well, I just uh, the point about all this is there is no doubt amongst everybody, even the great supporters, that the great plan is by Germany to dominate the world by peaceful means as opposed to the other methods they tried in the past. And therefore, Europe is now run by Germany uh, with a bit of assistance from France. And I mean, they don't give an SH1T about Ireland or Latvia or Estonia or Greece. I mean, Greece is a really good example. They couldn't give a hoot about Greece. So therefore, if we get in trouble, they won't give a hoot. About, well, they didn't. When our time came and we were in the manure, they didn't give any worry about us either. They wanted to make sure German banks were okay. So therefore, why we want to be in a club that is run by, by two members and 25 members don't matter, except two, I just don't get it. Well, George, when the Germans are on the grow, what can possibly go wrong? I mean, what's, who who would worry about an expansive, power-hungry Germany? I don't, I don't know why. What's what's the problem? Um, I do. By wonder, the way, big yeah. news, big news here. Uh, uh, Vladimir Putin has denied that he is in fact in a same-sex marriage with Donald Trump. That's big news. He's he denies it completely. Did you see the story, George? No, I didn't. So they were asking uh, uh, Putin earlier today to criticize Trump because, you know, the press over here, every time someone does something, the first question is, what do you have to say about Trump? You can have a press conference about you know, opening a grocery store. And they say, what about Trump? And you have to tell us that you hate Trump. And we won't let anyone talk until they say we hate Trump. So Putin got some Western reporter trying to play this card in him. And he just looks at him and says, look, what are you talking about? I, that's not my job. You know, Trump is Trump. And he says, I, I, uh, I am not his bride and he is not my bridesmaid. Was his uh, comment? No, no, no. He is. I'm sorry. He is not my bride, and I'm not his groom. That's the direct quote. Because of course, 
Vlad would be the groom in that relationship, as we so, all know. So Putin said that, did he? Yes, he said, Trump is not my bride. I am not his groom. Although I think they make a cute couple. I do. I think, you know, right. particularly take Vlad's shirt off. I think this could work. I see magic. I see you next Monday, Tuesday, whatever Thanks, day we meet. Take care. Michael Graham from Boston, Massachusetts. Barry Kenny's bucket list is on travel.